tonight here at Ground Zero meeting, um, we're going to talk about Jesus, but I have no idea what to title this, so we're going to let the Holy Spirit figure that out as we go, but, you know, last week I was talking about step work, um, some of you are familiar with that, some of you aren't, but. I would care to say that you are familiar with the idea that you're tired of doing the same thing over and over again and wondering why things don't change and why you end up at the same crossroads again and why you're, you're forced to suffer and why God's not answering your prayers and why, you know, fill in the blank. Um, what I've learned is that when I find myself in the same situations over and over and over again, it's usually because I'm the mastermind of the destruction. And I have no one else to blame. You know, I am a, a problem child that continues to try to force his own will. You know, and I'm such a genius, a.k.a. prideful, that I think that everyone else needs to do things my way too. But what God began to do is, is break me down over and over and over again to the place where I realized that I'm just tired. I'm tired of, of living. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of being in pain. I don't know how to, to, to function. I don't know how to live. You know, and... It was exhausting. Life was exhausting. It's literally a miracle that I made it through my 20s. I, I really don't know how that is possible other than the fact that God was always there, even when I said I didn't believe in Him and I was an atheist and, and I was arrogant and prideful and addicted to everything that you could possibly addic be addicted to and I was running a million miles in the opposite direction and, and God seemed to give me grace upon grace upon grace you know and as I, I came into recovery I, I still tried to do it my way as I came into Christianity I still tried to do it my way you know none of us in here ever have that problem of us trying to do it our own way you know and <clears throat> what I came to learn is that in my consequences of my actions God's mercy was always there because he wasn't allowing me to get away with sin. He wasn't allowing me to get away with my own prideful, you know, direction in life that he had a bigger plan. You know, and as much as I thought that I came to an understanding that there's something going on out there, I still did not want to do things God's way. You know, and even when I came into Christianity, you know, I, I would, allow certain things to to come into my ears, but there was a lot of things that I wouldn't allow into my heart. You know, I didn't believe that the Bible was something that was relatable to present day because it was written so long ago, you know, and that it really had nothing to tell me, you know, about sexual relationships in, in the present day because, you know, that's such a long time ago and man wrote it and God's just, or the church is just trying to control you and, I made up all these excuses of why I didn't need to listen to Scripture. You know, and what I come to understand is that through my own actions, painful things come my way. You know, and 
what step work has taught me, what recovery has taught me is that there's a lot of things inside of me that I don't even like about myself. And I've used various things through the years to cover up the actions or the pain of those said actions and the consequences of those actions, you know, so I don't have to feel, you know, but God brings us to a place where we finally are in a, an understanding that there's nowhere else to turn. You know, we've tried every turn. We've tried everything to, to make this change. We've tried every way to escape it. And God brings us to these places where, you know, we, we have to choose to change. You know, and I believe that certain things in our lives that we know that we don't like about ourselves, you know, but yet are we really ready to change it? You know, and what step work has taught me is that I have to ask God to take certain things. And then I have to humble myself when he does, and I don't try to bring them back. You know, and because so often... You know, we're like, God, fix this. God, fix this. God, change this. God, take this. God, help me. And then we'll put it down for a second. And God didn't do what we thought he should do. And we pick it back up again. We're like, all right, I'll take care of it. You know, and what I have to learn is that I have to submit to every change that God wants to make. And sometimes I'm not willing to do that because I don't agree. I don't think that this is the best way. I don't think that this is going to work. I don't think that this is God. And God's standing there and be like, I don't know what else to tell you. You've tried every other thing. You might as well do it my way now. And yet, we refuse. You know, what step work has taught me, you know, through various stages of my life is that I'm a very prideful and willful man. You know, I want to do it my way. And I can't do it my way and God's way at the same time. You know, that I'm either with him or I'm against him. You know, so what step three has taught me is that I have to turn my will over. And that doesn't mean that it's going to go my way. That means I'm turning my will over to God saying, you're in charge. You know, is Jesus my Lord? Is Jesus my master? Is Jesus my, or just my savior? You know, so often we like the idea of being saved. But we don't like the idea of being obedient. We don't like the idea of surrendering. We don't like the idea of doing it his way. We think that God should just give us three wishes as we rub our Bible and we get what we want. You know, and the last I knew that, that hasn't worked. You know, have we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord? Are we determined to follow him? Or are we expecting him to chase us around and bless us as we do whatever we want or get us out of a trouble as we continue to find new ways to, to make things go crazy? You know, Jesus has started a work in each and every one of us. You know, and he's going to faithfully work that stuff out. You know, I think that there's an easy way and there's a hard way. Or there's a hard way and a harder way. You know, there may not be an easy way. You know, I think that... The better we are at listening to him, the better we are at, at allowing scripture to, to dictate where we're headed in life, you know, that we, we realize that his ways work way better than our own. You know, and <clears throat> one thing that I've learned is that I don't need the devil to make a disaster of my life. Honestly, I don't think he's paying much attention to me, you know. 
You know, I've listened to people blame the devil for every little thing that goes on in their lives, and I just don't think that's so. I think the devil has way bigger things to do than worry about me and the little decisions that I'm making in my life. What I have come to learn is that my number one enemy is me. There's not one person in this life that has screwed me up more than me. There's not one person that's made more decisions that hurt me than me. There's not one... You know, there's not one more person in this life that's made decisions that have caused so much destruction and pain than me. Now, granted, there's people in my life that have betrayed me and hurt me and lied to me and stolen from me. But, you know, usually that's a once or 20 times situation. Depends on how codependent you are in the relationships that you're in. But if you look over the history of your life, even that little bit, no matter how many years you spent with that lovely person, you can go back and look at all the things that you've done and say it doesn't even weigh up. You know, I have done way more damage to myself than said person. But what we like to do is blame other people for our problems. But in reality, why did I keep going back to that person? Oh crap, that's my fault now. You know, like we, oops, we, let's put nine of those years back on me. You know, like there's always a way that, you know, as much as we try to blame someone else, the reality is the person that I stare at in the meeting or the mirror is the one that, that causes me the most problems and it's because I like to stay in denial. Denial is not our friend. Denial keeps us stuck in places and it causes, you know, pain to, to be lengthened and extended in, in ways that, you know, we, you know, wish we didn't have to face, but the reality is, is that we do have to face it. You know, and the funny thing is through the years as I've been working on this stuff and helping other people is I believe that denial is a God-given thing. I believe that young kids do not have the ability to handle the traumas that they go through. So for myself, as I was molested as a little kid, I have no ability spiritually or emotionally to wrap my mind around that. So he allowed me 20 years to grow up in a lot of bad choices where I, I stuffed as much stuff in that denial closet as possible that it was just overflowing out of it. See, I think that it, even though it's a God-given thing, we take full advantage of it. And at some point, we got so much pain seeping out of every crevice that we could possibly try to stuff and, and, and isolate and push away and deny that it's just bubbling up and there's no way for us to honestly not have to deal with something. You know, and this is the beginning of you know, our life with Christ, this is the beginning of our recovery, that, you know, things are just so crazy in our lives that we have to face the fact that there's pain. You know, substances and relationships aren't working, food's not working, work's not working, whatever we've been doing to suppress or distract us from our own junk isn't working anymore. And we have to come out of denial on some level and face the fact that there's a train wreck that's been following around, following us around for many, many years. And see, what we were talking about last week is being entirely ready. You know, and I think that it's difficult, but I think when you're tired enough, you're willing to face, you know, what you need to face to, to start the, the process of changing. You know, as much as I believe that God is a miracle-working God, and, and I pray for miracles, I pray for suddenness, I pray for instant change, I pray for breakthroughs, I pray for strongholds to be torn down, I pray for healing, I also know 
that there's discipline and there's discipleship and there's the day-to-day and there's the trusting in God and there's the renewing of my mind and there's the arresting of every thought and there's the process that most of us hate. But yet there is no way to get to the other side of everything that we want except to go through whatever it is that we're afraid to face. But eventually when we've come to a place where we're in enough pain, we begin to finally face our fears. You know, and we have to come to this understanding that I don't want to live this way anymore. You know, and I want things to change. I want to get rid of, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, what brought me to an understanding that there was a God was in my atheism and in my recovery. You know, I've been in recovery for five or six months and I'm going to meetings and everyone's telling me that I need a higher power and everyone's telling me that I need to pray and everyone's telling me that, you know, I I need to turn my life over. And I thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo. But in reflecting on my life, I knew that there was absolutely no way that I was ever going to make my shame go away. And there was no way that my anger was ever going to go away. I had no ability to change those things. So even in my own pride and my own arrogance, I knew that there, there was things in my life that if I did not allow the idea that there was a God to come into my life to possibly change these areas, I'm going to be stuck with these areas for the rest of my life. You know, I've come to understand that each one of us has at least two things that we don't like about ourselves, that we keep trying to do it our way, and they don't change. You know, and for me, that's where I began to to pray for the very first time, take my anger and help me to forgive myself. You know, and nothing happens. You know, I believe that so often we pray or finally pray or start to pray or have been praying and we're expecting God to just be like, oh, you finally started to show up. Let me just do this for you. You know, or a lightning flash or angels show up and there's like, oh, man, it starts to happen in the room. Like, that's just not a thing. You know, many of us have prayed about certain circumstances in our life and because it didn't go the way that we were praying or the way we hoped, we stopped. But maybe that was the, the point, is that God was saying that you keep trying to do it your way, and you're even praying for me to have it go your way, and that's not the way this thing's supposed to go. But desperate enough, I prayed every night before I went to bed, and you know, after a few weeks had passed, I went to bed one way, and I woke up a different way. You know, and I don't can't explain it other than God lifted a heavy burden. You know, I'm not saying that all my anger was gone. I'm not saying all the shame was gone. But I, I could feel that there was something different. And that's where I came to this understanding that there something out there. You know, I would turn from atheism to agnostic, I would say. And I knew that there was a God. I didn't want to put my finger on it. I certainly didn't want religion. But yet, something had happened. You know, and it woke me up to the sense that there must be something out there. And because I was such a heavily, you know, devout atheist, you know, it it made me really curious to see what this God stuff was really all about. You know, and it sent me on a journey to investigate God. You know, and 
it took me a few years to get to Jesus. You know, and one of the sayings that I always say is that AA brought me to God, but my sin brought me to Jesus. You know, I think that in our best efforts, we try to manage our sin, but it, it continues to, to reap the consequences that the Bible tells us that it will. See, we have to be ready to let, you know, these things go that are killing us. You know, so last week I was talking about are we entirely ready to to remove these defects of character? You know, but the, you know, the, the step work doesn't talk about that I have to make it change. I don't have the ability to make it change. You know, it talks about, am I entirely ready for God to remove it? See, on some level, he's he's asking us into this participation, or he's asking us into this relationship. He's asking us into this partnership where are we ready to let go and let him do it his way? And so often we're not. Just be honest. You know, we're not. We don't want to do it God's way because it might mess up our plans. You know, what if I'm to really surrender this? What if I'm really to let go of this? What if I'm really to break away from this relationship? What if I'm really to change my job? What if I'm really to stay sober forever? What if I'm really to stop using this thing that no one knows that I'm doing? What if, you know, and it's scary. But what if a life following Jesus was better than you could have ever imagined? You know, and he okadoked me into that. You know, I, I tried doing Jesus my way where sex was not a sin and I could just do whatever I wanted and it led me back into substance abuse. You know, so now I'm not just running from my own pain. I'm running from the fact that Jesus was starting to show me that he was real. You know, and I didn't want to face that. So I ran further, ran further. You know, I had to realize that I'm not a very good God. I'm horrible at running my own life. You know, and when I came back, you know, to recovery and sobriety, you know, I decided to to let the relationship thing, you know, be surrendered, and I was going to stay at a relationship for one year. You know, it had nothing to do with God, technically. It had everything to do with, you know, recovery suggestion. Because my codependency and my sexual addiction is so out of control that it always leads me back into substance abuse. You know, and when I finally decided to let that stuff go, or, or at least fight to, to be free of it, like six weeks into my recovery, my life was already starting to change. And I was just amazed at how peaceful my life was. And I remember praying, like, if you've done all this and I've just given you this little bit, what's going to happen if I really give you my life? And I started saying, Jesus, I want to give you my life. And I prayed it every day. You know, as I was praying other things, I said, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. You know, and after a few days of praying that, I prayed it one day, and I'm standing in my kitchen. You know, I know the exact apartment I was in. I know the exact spot I was in. When I prayed to God, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. And I literally heard laughter. And it stopped me. I'm like, why are you laughing at me? And I remember hearing him tell me, do you even know what that means? And I'm like, no, I really don't know what that means. But I know that you've 
already started to change me so much since I've really been trying to devote myself to you that I, I'm willing to give you the rest of my life. You know, and I can't tell you that it's been easy because it hasn't. It's been difficult. But it's way easier than running in the opposite direction. I can tell you that. You know, there's things that he's asked me to sacrifice. There's friendships that he's asked me to walk away from. There's there's people that he's asked me to just stand here and wait and see. And they've wandered away from me. I've had friends throw rocks at me. I've had people accuse me of things. I've had all sorts of crazy, disastrous things happen in my life. Because I choose to stand for Jesus. I can't even imagine the amount of things that people would say and do behind my back because I choose to stay pure and stand up for Jesus. Well, he's just religious. Like, really? Like, have you hung out with me at all? I just choose to live a certain way. You know, and each one of us has to choose to live how we choose to live. And all I can do is live by the example that I'm trying to live by and, and teach you the things that I've worked on. And I am not perfect and far from it. And if you spend any amount of time with me, you'll hear me say that pretty often. You know, I fall short. But I try to quickly, you know, I try to quickly admit it. I try to apologize for it. I try to, to humble myself. I try to allow myself to be corrected. If someone else is right and I'm wrong, I tell them, you're right, I'm wrong. You know, I don't try to take, you know, a prideful stance in things. Well, I know what I'm doing. Because I certainly don't. God has shown me over and over and over again through the years that I really don't know what I'm doing apart from Him. I just choose to say this stuff, these principles in the Bible, these principles in recovery, they are the things that are guiding my life, that I am allowing those pillars to stay where they are. I'm not moving them. And I'm allowing them to direct my steps. And they continue to propel me forward. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with it. God's ways always work. You know, and it's not always easy. I gave up sex for one year. It's 15 years later. If he would have said, hey, Tom, do you want to give up sex for two decades? I'm like, hell no, Jesus. We ain't doing that. He okey-doked me with recovery and said, hey, you know, you got this issue. Let's just lay it down for a little while. And I'm like, all right, deal. But I'll tell you what. I'm so grateful that I'm single today. That it, it's guided me. It's helped me. It's directed me in so many ways that I do not desire sex in the way that I did when I was a younger man. Now, that doesn't mean that I want to be, you know, single forever. You know, I pray for a wife frequently. But I believe that in God's time and in God's ways, the right person will come. And I'm not going to try to force that issue. You know, I have no idea why I started talking about that. But that's a rabbit trail for some of us in this room, including myself. You know, that I had to be entirely ready for God to take those things. You know, that doesn't mean that I wanted it to go. But I knew that it was causing me enough pain that I had to, to begin the process. You know, <clears throat> see, I think that each one of us understands that there's certain areas in our lives that cause us a lot of pain. 
you know, and what recovery would identify those as our character defects. You know, but as we grow in Christ and we're trying to become more like Christ, they should become less and less. You know, that 15 years, you know, I, I should have changed a little bit. And I have. You know, I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same person I was five years ago. You know, God has been humbling me and changing me and reforming me. And there's still more to work on. Like, I don't have it all figured out. There's still things I need to surrender. But so often, you know, we make a mistake and then we give up. You know, none of us are perfectionists in this room. None of us have control issues in this room. Every one of us are just, you know, completely pliable and, and soft clay. We just go wherever the potter takes us. You know, we, we don't argue or refuse. We're just like, yes, God, we'll go this way now. And we just flow like water. It's just not true. You know, many of us are very hardened pieces of clay. But it's only His Holy Spirit that begins to soften us. And then he begins to ply a little area, and we're like, ow, that hurts. You know, just like if we have dry and cracked skin, doesn't hurt. And all of a sudden, you got one little crack in your finger, and that thing won't go away for the life of you. You have to put a Band-Aid around it. You know, it's the only way that thing is going to, to get the moisture that it needs, is put a, a balm on it. You know, and Jesus is that balm. You know, in the Old Testament, he was referred to as the balm of Gilead, that he would be rubbed on areas of pain and that healing would begin to occur. You know, and so often we keep falling down in certain areas and we just give up. I'm going to stay here. You know, and the Bible tells us that a righteous man falls seven times. Well, he had to get up at some point. You know, at some point you get tired of falling down in the same area, you make some adjustments. You know, and I believe that, you know, we have to just keep fighting through certain areas. You know, we have to fall forward. You know, God just doesn't want us to admit that we're wrong or we got character defects. He wants us to find hope in Him where, where we've tried to find hope or tried to find a solution or tried to find relief. You know, it's caused us more pain that when we turn to Jesus in these areas that we should be finding, you know, freedom. He wants us to find hope. You know, he doesn't just want to forgive us. He wants to change us. You know, there's lots of times that we ask God for help or we ask God to change certain things or we ask God to to move this or a lot of times we're asking God for money. I'll just be honest. You know, God help me with my bills. You know, but in reality, you know, if I change my spending, I probably wouldn't have as many problems. You know, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. You know, just millions. I need to win the lottery and then I'll be good. But if you really look at, you know, most of the the lottery winners, you know, after they've spent all of their millions, their lives end up worse than they were before they won. You know, that so often we, you know, look to a new relationship or look to a new job or look to money or look to something to, to be the solution. And we use that up too. And then we find ourselves just in as much pain, if not more, after we we get on the other side of that. But see, you know, this is the thing that's supposed to be helping us to see that our ways aren't working. You know, I believe that God allows us to, to go down certain, you know, pathways. He allows us to open up certain doors. 
I also believe that he's talking to us and saying that's not a good idea, and we probably shouldn't do that, but we usually don't like to listen. You know, and we find ourselves in the same predicament, if not worse. You know, we have to continue to allow ourselves to be humbled and allow ourselves to be going in the direction that, that God wants to take us. You know, but I, I don't believe that, you know, we can just sit around and do nothing. I think that there's action that we have to start to take. You know, I know for me there's a couple of times where I had to make geographical changes. I knew that if I stayed in Binghamton that there was no way I was going to get sober around my friends. You know, I came up here and I stayed sober for a minute and I repeated the cycle. I started getting wasted up here. You know, and then I get sober and then I get wasted and then I get sober and then I get wasted. But eventually I built some friends after I'd been up here a while. You know, and now I'm trying to get sober and now I'm saved and I have to leave a job and another group of friends that if I'm going to put priority, if I'm going to put as a priority my recovery and even more my relationship with Jesus, I knew I needed to walk away from, you know, living the way that I was living. Even though now I'm sober and now I'm saved, I had to distance myself from certain circles because the more I hang out with those circles, I find myself slowly drifting back towards, you know, the thing that I say that I don't want to do anymore. See, we have to let God transform us. You know, and there is no better way than the renewing of our mind that we find through reading the Word. You know, but so often of us, we don't like to read the Word. You know, we don't want to spend the time. You know, we think it's, you know, I, you know I'm too busy. You know, I got better things to do. But I don't believe that there's anything better to help us with depression, to help us with anxiety, to help us with ADD, to help us with this, to help us with that. I think that the more that we get into his word, the more we understand Jesus, the more that we apply these scriptures to our lives, all of a sudden things begin to change and we start to realize that, you know, his ways are better than our own. You know, so what's in the way? What's getting in the way of you spending more time in your word? Well, I read today or I did a devotion. If you were to say that to your spouse or you were to say that to a loved one, if you were to say that to your boyfriend or girlfriend, well, I gave you five minutes. You know, I read that text, but you didn't respond. Would that be enough? No, it wouldn't. You know, there would be serious fighting going on. But yet we want to have this give and take relationship. No, we just want to take relationship with Jesus. We don't want to give up anything. We just want to take, 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 give me, give me, give me. And I think he allows it for a moment, but then I think that it dries up. And he's waiting for us to surrender again. You know, and so often we have to allow Scripture to change us. And the only way to do that is to apply it. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer, to, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. You know, if I don't know his will, well, how am I supposed to know his will? Well, if I don't know his word, the probability of me knowing his will is, is real low. Actually, it's zero. Because so often I, I let my feelings dictate where I'm going. You know, in this minute it's God, and then I'm over here and it's God, and then I feel this, it's God, and then I have this, and it's God. You know, God keeps, you know, changing. But his word never changes. God's always the same, yesterday, today, forever, right? You know, but yet, 
anytime that I let my feelings or my emotions, you know, allow me to go certain directions, I find myself in, in new places that I don't want to be. You know, and it might be good for a moment, but usually it won't be sustainable. You know, and what recovery has taught me and gets said around here a lot is that feelings aren't facts and emotions lie and I need to trust Jesus. You know, you know, and it's hard because I want to do what I want to do. You know, but sometimes to transform something, it needs to change the condition or the nature or the function of its identity. You know, sometimes he needs to remove us from certain places to get our attention. You know, he needs to break off a relationship to get our attention. He needs to get us out of a job to get our attention. Sometimes we need to change a state to get our attention. Sometimes we need to go to jail to get our attention. You know, what is it that's going to get your attention that says, are you ready to work on you? You know, because it's not the other person's fault. Now, they might play a part. However, you know, it takes two, you know, in dysfunctional relationships. It takes, you know, more than what I want to admit is my part, you know, in the problems that I have, you know. And it doesn't justify somebody's actions and it doesn't justify abuse and it doesn't justify, you know, things that have been done to you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the only thing that I can truly change is me. And I can't even change myself. You know, I need to, to let God into certain places for change to begin. You know, otherwise willpower would work. You know, you know, several of us, in, if not all of us in this room, have been on a diet at one point. You know, and how come after like a week or so we didn't get skinny? You know, it's consistent change. You know, it's a devotion to eating right. It's devotion to going to the gym. Devotion to not doing certain things. You know, there has to be significant change for us to beginning to do, you know, things that, that make changes, you know. But he wants to do more than just change behavior. He wants to change the way that we think about things, too. You know, simply changing a behavior, you know, a lot of times is like trimming the weeds, you know, or, you know, mowing the lawn and all the dandelions disappear. But they come right back, don't they? You know, how often have we worked on an area and we didn't do it thoroughly enough and it comes right back? You know, I think this is why I've relapsed, you know, several times through the years. And, you know, finally I was done with it enough and I did the work that was necessary to sustain sobriety. You know, but there's other areas that I need to work on and, and dig those things up as well. You know, but these weeds will always grow back. You know, I've tried to work on my weight several times. You know, and I get going and I lose quite a bit of weight. And then I find myself, you know, right back where I was, if not worse, you know. And, you know, there's areas that I still continue to have to be working on. You know, we need to let God transform our minds in these areas and, and trust that his ways are better than our own. You know, are we willing to turn these things over? You know, and it's hard. You know, some of us really don't want to let go of certain things. And I get it. Trust me. You know, but each one of us has to say, all right, Jesus, are you the one that's really trying to pry this out of my fingers right now? You know, and a lot of times he is, you know, but relying on our own willpower never works. You know, our self-will brings us back to the same thing over and over again. 
a lot of times it blocks us from truly getting freedom because we want to happen a certain way or we're trying to get Jesus to do it our way or we're trying to force the, you know, the, the wrong peg in the square hole and it, it just doesn't work, you know. But James 4.10 says that we humble ourselves before the Lord and he begins to lift us up. You know, and that how many times has our pride brought us to a, a broken place and that we need to cry out to him to help us to, to overcome. So often, you know, we hear the word humility, you know, and we think that it's a horrible word, you know, it's a painful word, but it, it really isn't, you know, it's not a bad word. You know, being humble doesn't make us weak or doesn't, you know, we don't come off as weak. You know, humility is really having the right estimate of ourselves or seeing ourselves God's way. You know, if I look at myself God's way, you know, other than the blood of Jesus that sees me as righteous, you know, I have sin that I need to be working on. You know, and see, this is what really helped me many years ago to make a significant change in the way that I viewed changing. You know, for many years, you know, I'm trying to get sober. You know, and after you've accumulated enough amount of time, you know, then you're sober. But technically, sober is not putting a substance in your body. So at some point, you know, I'd reached sobriety, even though I was already sober. You know, and you accumulate X amount of days. You know, and the more amount of time that you have, the healthier you are. But I would see people that would have significant years of recovery be some of the most sick people I've ever met in recovery. So how does this work? You know, and I'd get to a certain place and I'd plateau and I'd stop working on things because I wasn't in as much pain as I used to be. And slowly I would gravitate back to certain things and, and I would find myself in a situation that was emotional and I would use substances to make the emotions go away. You know, I would spend six or eight months back into addiction, and then I would be in enough pain that I'd begin to work on it again. And then I'm sober again. And then I'm working on my sobriety again, and then I'm doing a little bit more work again. And then I begin to get comfortable again, and I begin to gravitate towards the things I shouldn't be doing. And I would think that I have this at, you know, this time. I remember sitting in an AA meeting, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening, you know, and it clicked. I'm not trying to get sober. Technically, I've already achieved that. But now, as a Christian, I need to be more like Christ. See, so often we set the bar so low, and then when we jumped across it, we're like, ta-da, I've arrived. But if the bar is Christ-likeness, I always have things I need to be working on. You know, and I can't just coast. And I can't just, you know, find myself gravitating back to things that I said I would never do again because my identity needs to be in Christ. My life needs to be in Christ. My mind needs to be renewed by Christ. So there's always going to be things that I need to be working on because I'm never going to be perfect. And it gave me a lot of wiggle room in the sense of trying to be perfect because I knew I couldn't be perfect. But it also gave me an enormous amount of grace and mercy that realized that this is a process and that I have to be spending the rest of my life to be more Christ-like. You know, that it isn't about just one behavior. It's about multiple of behaviors that need to be aligned with Him. 
You know, and I can't do that in one day. I can't do that in one year. I can't do that in one decade. I'm going to spend the rest of my life working on certain areas to bring me closer to him and to be more like him. And I'll never accomplish it because he's God and I'm not. You know, it was very humbling when God started to give me these revelations because it it also was very freeing because it helped me to realize that this isn't a short sprint. I'm not going to accomplish this in one year, five years, ten years. This is literally a lifelong marathon that I will be spending the rest of my life working on things. But then, the question, am I working on it? Or did I run a few miles and find a park bench? I'm like, this is good. I'm just going to park myself in this church for a while. And like, now I'm saved and I'm sober. I'm good. And I can do the same thing in my Christianity that I did in my recovery. And then I get so far along the path and I'm not as much pain as I used to be. And I just begin to coast. And I'm like, amen. Someday I'm going to go to heaven. We'll just pray for the rapture to happen soon so I don't have to deal with life anymore. And Jesus is like, I have work for you to do. There's people around you that need to hear your testimony. And then I want you to do great and mighty things in my name. I want you to, to do this, or I want you to do that. And many of us have had dreams and visions of things that God wants us to do. And the number one deterrent is us. We have to, to fight through who we are to get to Jesus in those areas so that he can use us in the way that we hope that he would. You know, and it's never easy. You know, I'm my number one enemy. The devil's not fighting me. You know, I'm fighting myself. You know, and I have to humble myself and realize that I need more Jesus. In certain areas, I may need people too to help encourage me and hold me accountable in certain areas because I've tried it over and over my way or my way with Jesus, or Jesus and me trying to do it, or me trying to do it with Jesus, or, you know, I'm not using Jesus anymore, I'm just not doing it, you know, and around and around we go. Or, you know, we have to humble ourselves and say, hey, I, I need some help in this area. You know, and we all love that. Accountability. Whee! You know, and a lot of times we can't get to that next place that Jesus wants us to get to, until we turn these character defects over and really surrender them, but then also allow accountability into these areas, you know, because it doesn't grow overnight. You know, anytime that we want to work on any area and we finally decide today's the day that I'm going to work on it, are we any different tomorrow? No, we really are, except for we've made some sort of a decision and, and taken a couple of steps in that direction. But most of the things that we need to be working on are marathons, not sprints. You know, and if we go at it like a sprint and we run five feet and we're like, I'm tired, I don't want to do this anymore, that sucks. You know, and then we sit back down on the same park bench. We really didn't make any ground. You know, character doesn't develop overnight. You know, he, he teaches us to persevere and strengthens our character. That through the perseverance that there is character that's established in us. You know, and I don't, I don't believe that God is expecting us to be perfect. However, I do believe that he expects us to be working on it. You know, and one thing that I always say is that I don't expect you to be perfect. I just want you to be willing. Are you willing? Well, no, I'm not, because I'm not doing anything. You know, so we got to pray for willingness before we can do anything, right? we got to 
to get the the motivation to get you know I can't start the race if I'm not even in it. You know, and a lot of times we're just still sitting on the park bench. We're like, that's a great idea. Yeah, not today. You know, and we have to to begin to allow him into these areas and say, all right, God, give me the willingness to work on my weight. Give me the willingness to work on my purity. Give me the willingness to work on porn. Give me the willingness to work on my anger. Give me the willingness to work on unforgiveness. Give me the willingness to work on surrendering my child. Give me the willingness to work on fill in the blank. You know, none of us in here have it figured out. You know, but yet we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to go in that direction. You know, and, you know, one thing that God has shown me through the years is if I seek first the kingdom of God and allow his righteousness to be grown up in me, then he adds things to me. It actually says he adds all things. So if I seek him and I allow his character to be developed in me, Things get added to me. The things that he wants to bring to me get added to me. You know, and this helps me a lot. You know, when anxiety starts to kick up, you know, it tells us don't be anxious for tomorrow to be working on today. And what God has shown me is that if he takes care of my today, he'll take care of my tomorrow also. You know, I just have to focus on him today and and work on the things that are right in front of me. You know, if I'm always staring over my shoulder, you know, you know, if I'm staring in the rearview mirror, I can't drive the car forward. It's very difficult. You know, and if I'm looking out the windshield, I can't take care of what's behind me. You know, so there's a balance. You know, I I do believe that it's important that we dig up our past, you know, because there's certain traumas in there and there's certain painful things in there that need to be addressed and, and that they continue to bring emotional cancer to us. I don't think that we can just, oh, it's under the blood of Jesus, and I just keep trucking forward. Because I find that that stuff comes back to life. It's not under the blood. You just don't want to deal with it. You know, if it was actually under the blood, it would be gone, and you'd be healed. That's the way that I look at it. So what areas are still in the past that are still being emotionally cancerous and pulling you down? You know, I think that it's important that we keep bringing this stuff to him over and over and over again. You know, that, you know, we have to keep asking him, you know, God remove this, God remove this, God remove this. You know, in recovery language, it says God remove this character defect. You know, what is it? What's your character defect? I don't, I'm not trying to point fingers. You have to figure out what yours are. If you don't know what they are, you know, we can help you try to figure out some of yours. But I'll be honest, I bet you, you know, You've known for years what the things are that you continue to trip over or keep getting in your way. Well, this is just the way that I am. Well, can you say that that specific area is like Jesus? No. Well, if the journey is to be more like Jesus, how can you say that this is who I am? Because really who you're supposed to be like is Jesus. So if Jesus gets into that area, that area would become more like Jesus, and that area would not be in you anymore. Damn it, you just took my excuse away. Isn't that the point? You know, I got classified as ADD my whole entire life. Whole life. You have ADD. You need medication. You need to sit in the front of the room. You can't pay attention. You know, that's causing this. Blah, 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 blah. I started to read my word, ADD disappeared. 
Now that's my story. You know why? Because I, I forced my mind to be renewed. I'd read a page and wouldn't remember anything on it. I'd be thinking about lunch, you know, various things, you know. And I'd say, no, nope, I'm going to read this again. You know, Joyce Meyer in The Battlefield of the Mind says that if we read a page of the Bible and we don't remember anything on it, the devil's trying to steal our thoughts that we should read it again. And I began to do that. There's several times I'd read a page three, four, five times. I'm like, oh my God, this is nuts. And I'd be like, all right, focus. And I would read slower. And I'd be trying to take notes. I'd highlight things. And I would develop different skill sets to, to get my mind focused on mm-hmm. the Word of God. And before I knew it, I have no problem anymore in that area. Now, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I can't get distracted because I can. But it's not like it once was. Why? Because I started to work on it. I started asking Jesus into this area. I started praying about it. God, heal my mind. You know, and lo and behold, Jesus does what Jesus does, and things began to change, and healing began to occur, you know. So often, we expect perfection after one prayer, or we expect perfection after a little bit of effort. And a lot of times, it's constant work in certain areas for things to begin to, to truly change, you know. We can't be perfect, you know, and perfectionism gets in the way of a lot of our, our efforts to change because if we can't be perfect, then what's the point of trying? Well, that gives us an absolute excuse to never try, you know. So we have to get sick of the way that we are in certain areas and say enough's enough, you know, and realize that this is steady progress, you know, and, and you know, there's patience and there's improvement in our patience, you know. But as long as we're still self-reliant, you know, we're not being reliant on Jesus, and the op- you know the probability of certain areas changing are very low. You know, we must voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make. You know, and that's difficult. Sometimes God's putting His finger on something, and we're like, No, 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 we're not trying to change that right now. I'm praying about this over here. You need to be doing this, Jesus. And Jesus, is like, Yeah, let's let me into this area. And we don't think the two are connected. And a lot of times that we're trying to change the thing that's underneath something else. And we're trying to remove this stone that's underneath this stone. And he's like, we got to get this out of the way before this will happen. You know, and, and I found that he knows what he's doing way better than I do. You know, as we humbly are, ask him to remove these shortcomings or we ask him to, to get rid of these character defects, you know, he begins to show up in our weaknesses. We just have to continue to ask. You know, in James 4, 6 through 8, it says, God, give us the strength to be humble. So as we give ourselves to humbly to God, we learn to resist the enemy, and he will flee. And as we draw close to God, God will draw close to us. You know, and I think that it's important that we realize that sometimes the enemy that we need to... to to truly flee is our flesh or our way of thinking. You know, and so often we blame the devil on things, and sometimes the devil is at work, but a lot of times I think that it's our own selfishness, our own pride, our own arrogance, our own laziness that is really getting in the way of, of what really needs to happen. So, you know, like last week, I just want you to bow your heads with me. You know, what area, you know, is that the thing that needs to change? You know, I don't want anybody to feel condemned. You know, I don't want anybody to leave here thinking that, you know, you know, I need to be perfect because it's not true. 
You know, we all have areas that need to change. You know, and yours is probably different than mine. Yours might be the same as mine. You know, but what is the area that you don't like about yourself? And are you you asking Jesus in there to do it his way, or are you still asking him to have it done your way? So just take a moment and just ask him in to, you know, sometimes we got to be willing to, before the thing ever begins to change. But I know for me that I knew that certain things needed to change, and I wasn't really willing to do it yet, and eventually God got in there. So just take a moment. Lord, we just ask that you'd be working in these areas of brokenness, these areas of character defects or shortcomings, Lord, these areas of sin that we struggle in. Lord, help us to stop resisting the changes that you're trying to make. Help us to be aware of what you're asking us to do. Help us to hear your voice more accurately or discern what it is that you're trying to to do. Help us to, to stop getting in our own way. Lord, help us to, to make healthy boundaries with people and yet help us to, to be willing to, to walk these things out. Help us to to realize that this isn't, you know, something quick. Some of these things have been in there for years. That it may take several prayers and, and many, you know, moments and, and renewing our mind and many, you know, times that we humble ourselves and ask other people to pray for certain areas. Help us to be willing to, to take these steps, you know, and, and we pray that you would direct our steps or that we wouldn't continue to, to wander around and go around the mountain another time, another time, another time. Lord, help us to, to, to surrender these things and that your power will come upon us through the power of the Holy Spirit and you would give us wisdom and strength and courage to face whatever it is that we need to face and let go of whatever we need to go of. So, Lord, I just pray that you would pour out that tonight, Lord, that there would be no condemnation, Lord, that your blood is, is healing and, and covered every sin, Lord, that we would leave here encouraged to realizing that we just need more of you and that we have to be diligent, that we can't keep giving up so easily. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.